Welcome to Equiosity, the podcast about all things equine with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexandra Kurland. I'm the author of The Click That Teaches, a step-by-step guide in pictures, and many other books and DVDs on clicker training. And I'm joined by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Cavalia. And this week, Dominique, you're leading the dance because we're going to be focusing on horses for a change. We've been focusing on pigeons and school classrooms in the past few episodes. And now we're going to swing the pendulum back, I think. Well, who knows? I don't know what we're going to be talking about. No, we'll talk about horses a lot. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. Maybe, so, maybe a goat or two. <laughs> good. So you're drawing some of this material, some of the questions, once again, from the online clinics and the coaching sessions that are associated with that. Right. Some, these are topics that, uh, as people have posted various questions, comments, observations within the course that really struck your fancy. So mm-hmm. where are we headed? Yeah, so the, um, the first one, the first topic I want to tackle was is from the course. So this is one of the participants. She's, she has a horse who, a big horse, and she, she's also a regular participant in the, the coaching sessions. Big horse who used to rear when he was frustrated. And so she's been doing a great job with the horse. She's taught the horse, grown-ups. She's taught also the horse to lower his head. And she wrote a question in, in the course. So she's telling you that he's giving her horse, is giving her a lovely grown-ups. But when he becomes a little, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming when she tries to build duration, he becomes a little bit uncertain or frustrated, he starts to lower his head. And she's asking, what am I supposed to do? Because I didn't cue that. Am I supposed to click and treat him for lowering his head? What am I to do? And so you wrote about a 10 paragraph answer and each paragraph you know, it's like a little pearl of wisdom. I thought it was a, there was a lot in that answer for someone who's trying to to progress in the work. So, so before, do you, do before you, we get, because I, I don't remember, I do not remember what I said to her. It was before, seven months ago. <laughs> before, we, before we get to what I said, what I'd love to do is really highlight, emphasize, celebrate, because I, I think I know who you're talking about. What a magnificent job this individual is, is doing with this horse. He is very big. He's, yes. He's started out looking very intimidating. There's, you know, when the horse comes at the start of a session, comes galloping up to you. On two legs. <laughs> and then pops up on two legs. Or when he gets frustrated, he strikes out with the front leg. It exactly. It's intimidating. Mm. And she was you know, clearly started out as a very intimidated, flustered individual mm-hmm. and with very good reason. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. And she's just done the most magnificent job. The change in this horse is absolutely astounding and delightful to see. And a lot of my emails that I send back to her start with, wow, with three exclamation mm marks after it because I'm just so impressed and I what I 
what I love, you know, I love being able to watch the changes and the progression in these teams. And when I see him now, and his face is so soft, when at the start, this was clearly such a frustrated and at times angry horse. And now his expression is so soft. It's mm. just a delight. Um, so, yes. Well, so you know, in your answer, that was part of your answer was, well, you know, you should celebrate yeah. because this is a major move in the right direction. You know, if when he's uncertain now, because one of the things she says, too, is I didn't cue him. But again, you know, we've been saying this. Cues are there all the time. You yeah. may not have deliberately cued the horse to lower its head, but there's a cue that is somehow maybe related to uncertainty or, but, you know, the there's fact something that about he the context. something about the context makes him lower his head. And that's what the foundation lessons are for, yes. is that instead of rearing, when he doesn't know what to do or when he feels frustrated, well, now he's lowering his head, which is something that you much, much, you prefer yes. for sure. So, you know, that was one of the things you said in your answer was, well, one thing you could do, because she's asking, what should I do? You said, well, you should celebrate yes. because he's lowering his head now instead of rearing. So it's a, he's really moving into the right direction. Before we jump away from the celebrating, the other mm -hmm. thing I, I want to add to this is she has done all the work. So I've not met mm -hmm. this horse. Because no, you know, this is this is online coaching. So mm -hmm. we are geographically very far apart. She has done all the work. And that I think is also worth celebrating. So it's not, oh mm -hmm. uh, well, let me go get, you know, let me bring him to a clinic so you can fix him. Absolutely. She's done the work. Yeah, it's very empowering. Yeah, for all the for all of us to see that. Yeah. So yeah, well, so well, of course we're gonna talk, you know, the solution always involves loopy training, right? Right. <laughs> so if if we're gonna stick with this example of the, you know, you're asking for grown-ups and all of a sudden the horse not quite sure and he lowers his head, well, you know, your first suggestion was to keep the loop clean. So the principle that we've talked about a few times is if you think he's going to shift out of grown-ups in four seconds, click in three seconds. Yeah. You know, click while um, it's still good. And, and you click while it's on, clean, while it's still good. Yeah. And you base that on your prior experience. So if I've been holding out for longer duration, say I'm going for five seconds and my horse starts to fidget and, and moves out of grown-ups, then I know I've asked for too much. So, mm -hmm. <clears throat> so I'm I'm going to use that information, that data point, to say, well, the next time, I'll just I I won't ask, I won't push the behavior so far. I'm not trying mm -hmm. to see how long can I go before it breaks. And I remember in in eighth grade science class, I had a terrible teacher. He was a really horrible teacher and and I was not alone in thinking that he was a terrible teacher but he he assigned this great project where you were going to build a bridge out of balsa wood 
And you had, so you had to make a bridge and then they would test it to see whose design was the strongest. It was a great okay. project, except none, none of the girls were allowed to participate in it. We had to do a stain book. We, so we had to create a, a booklet showing what you do to get different different kinds of stains out of cloth. Okay. Mm. Okay. Things have changed. Things have changed. Let's yeah. hope so. <laughs> so the boys got to build a bridge, okay. and and they and that was part of where I learned to appreciate triangles, because the the boys who use triangles in their designs, their bridges held up better. So I learned about the power of triangles observationally. I didn't actually get to participate. No, because you were a girl. Because I was a girl, that's right. And I had to do a stain booklet. The things one remembers. But the point of this is they tested the bridges until they broke. Right. So they went to the point where every bridge collapsed. We're not trying to do that with the behaviors that we're teaching. I don't want to test grown-ups until it breaks. That's not the point of building duration. I don't mm. want to break any of the behaviors that I'm building. So I want to I want to look at, oh, my bridge is beginning to show a little stress and strain. Back off mm -hmm. everybody and let me add some more triangles to it mm -hmm. and make it stronger so that you know it uh, not, well, just keep going until it breaks. So it's not. Well, keep going with your grown-ups because I've got to get to that five seconds. Even though I'm starting to see my horse is beginning to look like a four-year-old toddler who's fidgeting, let me click things while that loop is clean. And then I'll, you know, gradually strengthen and expand and strengthen and expand that behavior that I'm working on so that I can get to the five seconds or I can stand next to my horse with my pockets bulging with treats or I can stand in grown-ups next to my horse with this other horse standing next to me or you know whatever the environmental change is and that's what we're after when as we expand the behavior so when I'm, I talk about the four second rule if you think the the behavior is going to fall apart in four seconds let's reinforce it at three seconds where the loop is still clean right and then the next time you take that information, what you were observing, to help you decide. Because suppose I go, I go four seconds and the behavior falls apart. I thought, oh, look at that. He moved out of grown-ups or he lifted his head or, you know, whatever it was that I'm working on. But I, I'm not going to beat myself up because I misjudged. I'm just going to. Well, you it. wrote something in that answer ah, what about that. Yes. Well, what you I know, said. you said something that for me, and I'm sure for all the perfectionists out there, because <laughs> you were talking about, you know, when you want to, you don't want to build a glass ceiling either. Right. The glass ceiling, meaning that you're going to stay at three seconds, three seconds, three seconds. So once in a while, you have to test the boundaries. And yes. so once in a while, you know, they will not do what you want them to do. You're going to test two, three more seconds and they're going to break out of the behavior after four seconds. So you wrote something that I really highlighted. Airless learning is a procedure not an outcome. 
Yes. I love that because for me, you know, I'm there, I'm much more at risk of building glass ceilings myself, you know, the type of yep. trainer that yep. I am, that I want my horses to be right. I wanted to make it easy for them. So I'm always at risk of building glass ceilings. And I'm always thinking about airless learning. So to read this, you know, that it's a procedure, it's not an outcome. And, you know, oops, mistakes will be made. And sometimes it's not even really a mistake. It's you testing the boundaries. It's you taking data to see if you can increase your criteria and how much you can increase the criteria in order not to build a glass ceiling. So I, I really like that phrase, you know, for yeah, me, it was- Errorless learning, when you first run into that term, it's one of those where I can just <clears throat> hear people saying, oh, that's just such a terrible name. Because it sounds very black and white. Eh? There's does. errors or no errors. Yeah. And that if you make an error, then then oh, it's, it's not errorless learning. Yeah, then it's terrible, terrible. You you failed. Yeah, you yes. And that is not what it's about, or it's not the intent. But when you get it right, when you have something that is a well-designed training plan, you can go through so easily and smoothly with very little on the part of the of your learner, it becomes really seamless where the next step in your training is just a small step away from where you are. And you end up doing some really advanced work and you look around and you go, how'd we get here? Because mm. the next step in the training was always such a small step away from where you are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So from there, so of course, so we're back to our horse. He's, you know, you're trying to gauge how many seconds so you're saying you keep asking for a bit more so you don't want to have the glass ceiling but at the opposite you don't want to create inadvertent chains either where the horse is doing grown-ups and then he's plunging his nose down coming back up and you know you you keep doing that yo-yo thing so you're saying you don't want to create build inadvertent chains and you because she said he's doing it without a cue. You're saying, you know, because when we look at behavior as these discrete units, like it's that behavior. There's nothing before, there's nothing after. It's just head lowering or it's just grown-ups. And so you're saying, you know, to kind of open the perspective, there's always something happening before and there's always something happening after. And so there is a cue, like we said, in the environment that, you know, triggers the horse to lower its head. So you're you're kind of telling her to tighten the loop and then you get into really specific ways of clarifying the cues. So you have her work on grown-ups, little units of, of grown-ups. And then we have the principle for every behavior you teach, there's an opposite behavior. So then you have her teach the head lowering separately. And in between you have a, you know, there's a phrase you use a lot that I think is very important. It doesn't sound like it's very important, but when you're giving practical instructions, you use this phrase a lot. And I think it's really important. So you'll say, well, you'll work on grown-ups, you know, a few reps, and then walk, walk forward casually. Walk and then casually. you'll work on head lowering. But that walking forward casually or you don't say forward you say it's walk off you, casually 
walk <laughs> off casually. Yes. But it's really important because it's signaling to the horse that there's going to be a change. Yes. It clarifies things and they get used to that. They know that every time you walk off casually, either you're going to be asking a little more or you're going to be asking something different. So it's it's a little phrase, but it's important. You're so you you have her do both little bit of both, you know, and then you ask her to start doing some sequences with the two together in a sequence. So in a sequence where you would have two behaviors and when at the moment where you would click, when the horses reach the criteria for the first behavior, you would cue the second behavior. Yes. So you have her do that. So when the horse is doing really nice grown-ups, she cues the head lowering and then she falls back into the grown-ups and she does that. You have her do it reverse. And then you add another layer. So now we have two behaviors that are really clear. The cues are really clear. And now if you want to add the duration, which was what you wanted to do in the first place, you start to use the two behaviors together so that the horse learns to wait for the cue. So you'll, you'll cue, for instance, grown-ups. And since you've just done these little sequences, he knows just to wait for the cue for the head lowering. And so it clarifies the duration for him that he's not just... Am I supposed to be doing something else? Why is she not clicking me? You've taught him to wait for the cue for head lowering. And that makes it much clearer. Yes. So and then you have her you have her reverse it. Yes. So there's I a lot to pack there. And actually, yeah. the one that I want to grab hold of is something we haven't really talked about a lot, which is the walking okay. off casually. Yeah, because it is an important element and mm -hmm. you can't ask for something or use a behavior unless you've gone through a teaching process to teach it to your horse. And so in the foundation lessons, the walking off casually is taught. And one of the places that it's taught is in the runway lesson when we're teaching horses to go to a mat. So mm -hmm. you're, you have that V set up. You use cones to create a V that and that V yeah. funnels you towards the narrow end of the V to a mat. Away from the mat in the upper part, the wide part of the V, you work on the underlying skills that you're going to need when you get to the mat. And those underlying skills are being able to ask a horse to take a step forward or a step back. And you're working with the idea of movement cycles so that as the horse is initiating into a forward step, you are clicking on the initiation of movement. So you're not waiting for the horse to complete the step to say, oh yes, I can see that he was going to take a step because his, his foot has lifted up and it's come back to the ground and I see the result of that action. No, you are clicking on the initiation of the movement. So as the horse begins to lift up into a stride, you are going to click. And then the click brings the horse to a stop. So you're not actively having to stop the horse. You're not blocking energy. You're saying yes to movement, which is really important. You're always saying yes to energy, yes to movement. 
so I can release a horse in the movement, but not have him racing past me because as he initiates in the movement, I click, he stops, I feed him. I can also ask him to back up a step. So again, I'm clicking on the initiation of movement and all of that are skills that I'm going to need at the mat. And I don't want the horse to feel frustrated because he wants to take a step forward, but I'm not letting him, I don't, I don't want him to keep going because if he keeps going, he's going to push past the mat. And so I don't want to teach the skill of taking one step at a time at the mat where there may be some emotional issues related to, oh, I don't want to step on a mat. So we teach it at the wide part of the beam. And there's a lot more mm -hmm. to this lesson. But that's a, a lot of very focused work. So when you've done a little bit of that really focused weight shifts, then the instructions are you walk off casually. What walking off casually means, and, and, and the handler is now working on a lead rope. So this is not done at Liberty. Handler is, is on a lead. What walking off casually means is that whatever length of lead is in your hand between the, the snap and the hand that is holding the lead, whatever length of lead that is, and that could be a foot or two if you're working in really close to the horse, or it could be eight feet of lead, 10 feet of lead, depending upon how far away you are from the horse. Whatever length of lead that you have is the length of lead that you're going to walk off with. So if I'm standing four feet away from my horse, and there's this nice big belly of the rope, four feet of lead between my hand and the snap, when I walk off casually, I'm not going to shorten up the lead. Mm -hmm. I'm going to walk off with whatever length that is. And what I want my horse to learn is that he's going to keep an orientation that maintains that connection that that length of lead suggests. So I don't want to feel him lagging behind me so that now all the mm -hmm. slack goes out of the lead or pushing past me, so now I'm being dragged on by the lead. So, mm -hmm. and it relates to the riding in that when I get on a horse, I'm at the mounting block, I get up in the saddle and I'm all organized and I ask my horse to walk off. I want my horse to walk off casually, meaning on the buckle. I don't want to have to gather up the reins and hold on tight to keep my horse from racing off. You know, I don't want to have to hold on to my horse to keep him from scooting out from under me. And a lot of horses are like that. As soon as you let go of the rein, they're, they're gone. As soon as you give them the long rein, they're just, you know, charging off. And you've got to really hold on to them. You're out on a trail ride and you spend the entire trail ride with the reins tight because as soon as you give the horse any little bit of of slack he just grabs and runs and I you know that that's not a fun ride I've had those rides and I do not enjoy them so what I want is to teach the horse that when I give him the buckle when I give him the full length of the rein that's not a cue to change leg speed mm -hmm. that's a cue to maintain not a cue to change leg speed 
So when we walk off casually to the mat, we're walking off on this slack lead. And then say my horse has landed well on the mat. When I leave the mat, the instructions are usually walk off casually. So once again, I want to be able to walk with my horse and have him accompany me without lagging behind, without racing past, without falling, you know, all the withouts, all the things I don't want. But instead he maintains the orientation between his body and mine. And so we can walk on its loose leash leading, basically. We can mm -hmm. walk off with loose leash leading. And I don't And have it would be the same at liberty. Yeah. And I don't have yeah, he's to just keeping he's keeping an orientation. But that doesn't mean it's forevermore. So when you walk off casually, suppose I walk off on a straight line and now I want to turn. I can slide up the lead and say, new incoming information. Mm -hmm. I would like you to turn with me. And so yeah. I would shorten the lead. I would slide up the lead in order to give that new information. Or my horse might, you know, as he's as he's learning, he might crowd into my space and I can slide up the lead to say new incoming information. I would like you to shift your balance up and over. So I can I can teach just as we do under saddle. There are times where I want to be on the buckle on a long rein, and then I'm going to shorten the reins because I'm changing the nature of the conversation. But these yes. are all things that that we have to teach. And so we're teaching this relationship on the ground so that when you get under saddle, you have a horse who already understands, oh, I can walk off on the buckle and I can also work with you when you shorten the rein and change mm -hmm. the nature of the conversation. And I know what to do. I know how to relate to these different types of conversations that we're having. So mm -hmm. it's a really important phrase. And the walking off casually, once it's in place, it gives you an opportunity to change the subject, to have a little break. Yeah. I've done grown up. To have a little that. break, a breather. Yeah. Because if you do like concentration work, it's good to have, you know, this little relaxed few yep. steps. It's it's a breather. It's also the horse learns that it's an antecedent to a new paragraph, something else, you know, will be happening. We're not doing, so it's not like, how come we were just doing this and you were clicking me and now you're not? Well, there was this little transition yeah. that informs you that it's not going to be exactly the same. And we should actually, I think, and it's easy to change things. Sometimes you may say, well, no, I don't want to change anything because this is what I'm working on. But you can always change something unless you want something really, really precise. But, you know, if you want a behavior that is resistant to distractions, for instance, you know, you don't have to work because we used to be told once the behavior is perfect, you can start introducing distractions, but you can actually start introducing tiny little distractions from the get-go, if that's your objective. So you could change, I don't know, the, the orientation of your body. You could change where you are in the arena. You could change all kinds of little things. And you can add, 
half a second or a second to what you're doing, or you can ask for a little higher up or whatever. Yeah. Change. So that the walk off casually is also a moment where you can think. So it looks yes. like grownups, you know, it, it allows you to say, okay, when am I going to work next? Process the data that you've just collected and see, or am I ready to ask for a little more or or not? So yeah, I think it's a it's a good tool. And and it's also a great plan when you don't get what you want and you're like, okay, how am I going to keep my horse in the game? I just asked him for something where I'm not getting it. So what do I do? Well, it's a reset in a yes. way. You don't click and treat. He didn't do what you wanted. And of course, if this happens like 10 times in a row, you should go and have your cup of tea and rethink your plan. But yes. let's say that it just happened once. It's kind of a nice reset. You're not clicking, you're not treating, you're asking to walk off casually, and then you can start the exercise again and click at the more appropriate moment. And it's good, your horse is still in the game. He hasn't, you know, he's not gone because you, it was all this were little tiny things and he was still, you know, if you did it all the time, it would be an inadvertent chain. But if you're using it as a reset once in a while, I think it's perfectly okay. It's, it's a actually a good way a to get out of trouble. It's a lovely example of sneaky training, which is another one of these lovely, what do we call this training? And, and I think sneaky training is a wonderful phrase to bring in because you know, we're talking about the runway lesson that sits within the foundation work where we're teaching horses to go to mats. And I'm saying, but this is related to riding and being able to ride your horse on the buckle. Well, that's pretty sneaky. That's something mm -hmm. that, that we're doing as we teach horses to stand on a mat is actually teaching a really important skill that we're going to be using later when we ride. That's, that's mm -hmm. really fun. And, and then once we have this ability to walk off casually in place, it gives us so many, it has so many useful functions. And that's really sneaky. So mm -hmm. part of the fun of this work is how it ripples through and affects so many other elements of the work. And so as a, as a means of being able to create breaks, it's a, it's a very important skill. But it sounds like nothing because you're, oh, I'm just walking off. That's path. right. You're just <laughs> taking a few steps. Yeah. But if you did the whole session without, that would be a completely different beast, I think. Yeah, it would. It would. You know, it, it would not. I think it, it's really important to. So when, you know, and that's. It's great because in these, in the course, in those those questions and answer, you know, there sometimes it's philosophical, but sometimes it's really very instructional and concrete. Like you know, this example I'm giving, where you're really giving her a path to follow, pretty precise. You know, you can do this, you can do that, and and I think that you weigh each word that you put in there. So, you know, this is just three words, walk off casually, but people should pay attention because you're not just saying that. It's, you know, there's a there's a reason why it's it's in there. Yeah. So I've lost track of the rest of Well, in in the end, you know, I think 
the takeaway was, first of all, celebrate, you know, the fact that you've taught one of the foundation lessons and the foundation lesson in part is also to keep you safe. You know, you it's not only the building blocks for all the behaviors in the more complicated work, but it's also those lessons were chosen for, again, a reason, which was, um, amongst others, to keep you safe. And so this is why you're not teaching a horse to rear in the foundation lessons, you're yeah. teaching a horse to lower its head. Yeah. And to, yeah, so to celebrate that he's going there, that she's moving in the right direction, and then, you know, you give her this, this plan of working with two simple behaviors. And yeah, if he lowers his head and she feels that she's in an inadvertent change, she can walk off casually and yeah. she can reset. Um, and you're getting into and that habit, which is such a good habit. Of, of offering the cue for the next behavior at a clickable moment. So mm -hmm. because one of the things that we see is that the effect of cues works in two directions. So it's going to tell the individual what to do next, lower your head. And But if, if head lowering, and I think the easiest way to think of this is with, with dogs, actually. So if you have a puppy that has been learning to sit, and you say sit, and the puppy puts his rear end to the floor, and you give him a, a hot dog, and, and this is happening consistently, then that puppy is going to be eager for you to say sit. And so if he, if he does a behavior that gets you to say sit, he's likely to do that behavior again. So if you have a friend who comes visiting, and he jumps up on your friend and you say sit and he sits and you then say, oh, thank goodness he sat and you give him a piece of hot dog. What have you done? You've just reinforced him for jumping up on your friend, which is mm -hmm. sort of the easy, I think an easy way to think of this. And mm -hmm. that would be an inadvertent chain. That would be a, yeah. oh dear, that's not quite what I intended. So we mm -hmm. want to create the, the change where we, we, want those links that we are finding those links to be useful to us and one of the challenges of grown-ups is you get into what we'll call border collie expectation you know where you have the border collie that's going what 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 else what what more what's next what's you know and 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 where they're looking for any little thing that they should be doing next and they're very mm -hmm. busy 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 dogs and that's not really what we want. We just want them, the horse to say, yes, I'm standing here in grownups. And it's not, it's not, what else do you want me to be doing? Am I, am I standing relaxed? Look at how actively I'm standing relaxed as he gets mm -hmm. higher and tenser in, in, in standing still. Look at how still I'm standing as I'm quivering every, in every muscle in my body trying to be still. That's not what we're after. And so rather than, having the animal think, well, you're not clicking me, so there must be something more that you want. What else am I supposed to be doing? And then you start going into an extinction process of, well, you're still not clicking me, so so let me try other things that have worked. Let me let me try- Lift my legs. Let me lift my legs. Let me drop my head. Let me back up. Let me bite you. Let me paw at you. You know, all these things that in the past have have generated some form of a reaction that's not what we want we want the horse to just stand there in grown-ups 
And so one way that is effective, and this is something that done forever, is you are linking behaviors together. This is what chains are for. So you, mm-hmm. you have the individual and grownups are talking, and then you ask for targeting. That's an easy one. Or you ask for head lowering. And there was a really nice demonstration of this that Mary Hunter did using the portal games where she yeah. demonstrated that that you could you could teach just a phenomenal duration to behaviors by having this second behavior. It's a very clear, it's a very clear mm-hmm. demo. And where you watch yeah. it and you go, yeah, God, this, yeah, is, yeah. this is why you do it. And so that this learning to link behaviors together. But there's another interesting mm-hmm. piece in this that I think is really fun since we just recently had the podcast with Dr. Cho Lang on adduction. Mm-hmm. And, and I really enjoyed that conversation oh, yeah. we had with Joe. And there's, there's so much in there. And yes, we were talking mm-hmm. about pigeons, but you know, there was we were also talking, you know, there's there's so much to be extrapolated from that. And I think this idea of a behavior that was has been taught in one context is then brought into a different context to serve a different function. And I think this is one of the things that happens with the head lowering. When you see that this horse is he's in grown-ups, and then grown-ups, he's not really sure what to do. And so he drops his head and he gets clicked and reinforced for that head lowering. That that is this would be an interesting question to ask of Joe or one of our other behavior analysts. Is that that's that moment of adduction where now head lowering it can begin to serve many other functions. So head lowering mm-hmm. can begin to serve the function of saying, no, I don't want to do this mm-hmm. anymore. It can serve a function in a different context of saying, yes, I'm very comfortable, keep going. It can serve a function of connecting it to a state of relaxation. I was feeling nervous, but I'm going to use head lowering to calm myself down. And we see that with the horses. So it takes on some really additional, ah, what's going on here, implications that are worth exploring. You know, I just thought of something, just a little parenthesis, two seconds. I like to take my horses on walks in the woods and when there's nice snow on the ground, I like to throw treats on the ground because I want them to get used to lowering their head while we're walking, you know, and I only do it when there's nice snow because I don't want them to eat any sand or gravel or anything like that. But I think it has helped them be relaxed during our walks in the woods. You know, they're, they're not high-headed, they're easily, they will easily drop, and they can really, like, find the treat, you know, yes. they're not leaving anything. <laughs> so just a little parenthesis. I like, I like doing little head-lowering moments in the woods like that. Yes. And I can ask for it, too, and just treat on the floor or on the ground. So, so let's jump to my next... Okay. Uh, my next one. This one. This one came from the sessions, actually. But I think it was. It may have been discussed in the course too. But 
I think it's the perfect timing because soon we'll all be in mud. Yes. Spring will be coming and there will be lots of mud and a lot of difficult footing. And people are going to say, I don't know where to work. I don't know what to work on because there's just no room to work in. And so we had great discussions about working in tight places, which I think a lot of people can relate to and will be very useful in the upcoming weeks. So I just want to throw a few things out there that maybe will inspire people. I think it's the perfect timing because soon we'll all be in mud. Yes. Spring will be coming and there will be lots of mud and a lot of difficult footing. And people are going to say, I don't know where to work. I don't know what to work on because there's just no room to work in. And so we had great discussions about working in tight places. We've come to a good stopping point. The weather this winter has been so mild. I know, at least in the part of the country where I live, people are already slipping and sliding around in the mud. So this is going to be a timely topic. How do you keep training during mud season and those other times of the year when the weather restricts you? That's for starters in this conversation. And then we're going to go on and talk in detail about one of the foundation lessons that I know many people often skip over, and that's happy faces. So we'll be looking at why happy faces is a foundation lesson and why it's worth directing your training attention to this particular behavior. If you're interested in learning more about my online clinics, do please visit my website, theclickercenter.com. And until next time, train well and have fun with your horses. Thank you.